All right, good deal. Uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house this evening. And uh, when you saw me up here, thanks for not leaving, all right? Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited about tonight and what God's got in store for us. And uh, I know many of you probably are uh, wanting a nap, and you can get one when I'm done, all right? Uh, so anyway, but let's take a look at God's Word tonight. Um, uh, uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, I'm going to read a story from there um, in just a few minutes, or part of a story. And um, one thing that, that I noticed uh, several years ago, um, I began looking back through some of the popular stories that I learned in Sunday school as a kid. And uh, as I, I would read my Bible and teach and preach, I was always looking for that, that verse or that phrase that nobody ever heard before. Uh, but then I started looking through some of the common stories that we all know that I knew from a kid just to see what details were in there. And there's some details in these stories that we just don't normally hear. Uh, and I don't know, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but it's just in telling the story, it's details that may, maybe get overlooked or just kind of passed by, or maybe I just don't remember. Um, but there are some, some wonderful things some, some miraculous things uh, that we find when we look at common stories. And I want to share one of those with you tonight. So this story, I'm sure everybody knows. Many of you have probably taught this before. You've known it maybe your whole life. Um, but it's, uh, that what we're going to look at is the story of David and Goliath. And I want to show you something that David did, something that he said, uh, because it really changed from my perspective on things. And... <clears throat> When we go back and we, we take a look at, at these things throughout our Bible, we see some of the miraculous works of God. Now, for me, and I don't know if you all are this way, but when I think of the miracles that God did, I tend to think of just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when Jesus was on earth. But the, the Bible is full of miraculous things, full of events where God performed miracles to, to save people or to help people or just to, to show how great that He is. And some of those would have been, uh, just a, a, a few examples, uh, is Abraham going up to sacrifice Isaac. And as he, he gets uh, the knife up and high, there's a, a ram caught in the thicket. There's Moses, the several things through Moses. Number one, that he was saved as a baby, that he uh, uh, was, was going to be the, the deliverer from, from Israel out of Egypt. But then... One thing that always sticks out to me about Israel leaving Egypt was when they get trapped at the, at the Red Sea and the mountain, the fortified city, and the Egyptians. They have nowhere to go. And what does God do? He opens up the sea. Tell me that ain't a miracle. That's a miracle. Um, the, the Daniel praying to his God and being thrown in the lion's den and God shutting the mouth of lions and calming them down to where they just rest all night. That's a miracle. That's not the nature of a lion. The three Hebrew children refused to bow down to an idol. And they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Now we know this. Fire hurts. And the men throwing them in got so, so, so tore up about being burnt that they died. But they were walking around in the fire. Tell me that ain't a miracle. 
And these are things that we typically overlook. Uh, and then, of course, there's all the miracles that Jesus did of healing the lame and issue of blood and feeding 5,000 and so on and so forth. So there are, there are amazing things. And sometimes I think that we, I know for me, I've heard them so many times that they lose that amazement in my life. The Bible describes throughout it uh, these miracles as the people being astonished. Read through some of the miracles Jesus did. The writer says that it left the people astonished, which in our New Testament means that it was literally means out of one's mind or amazed. Some words even have, the, in some instances, it even means insane. It was just beyond comprehension. And these people were so astonished by it, they just, it was hard for them to understand what God had done. So I began to think of, try to put myself in the place of being there, not knowing the story, but being there and witnessing it for the first time. And think about this thing. How would I react? What, what, would, I, what would I do or say? And so that really changed some of my perspective. So I want to give you the story. And we're, I'm going to look through the story. I'm going to give you many things that you know. But then I'm going to hopefully help you with something that, that may just stand out. It stood out to me. And I hope it helps. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 38. We all know this, but let's just read it. And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put on a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of, of maul. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a strip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he was sustained, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou would comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Now notice this. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know the Lord, save it not with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took, the, took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and smite the Philistine and slew him. 
but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And the Philistines, and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your wondrous works among all the people of this earth. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I pray tonight you would bless it. But everything said would come from your throne room. Nothing more, nothing less. Lord, we give you the praise and the glory and ask for you, Lord, to get the glory out of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to, uh, I want to draw our attention tonight really to verses 45, 46, and 47. And something that, that I noticed that God does with these miracles. I was talking about all the miracles and the miraculous things that God has done throughout the Bible and different stories. And here in this story is no different because God's going to take a young man and kill this big giant. But something that I notice in this story that I think is true for all of the events, the occasions in the Bible, the things that happened, comes at the end of verse number 46, when the Bible says that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Why does God do the things that He does? Because He wants people to know that He is God. Why was God taking a nation out of bondage? Why was He delivering Israel out of Egypt? Why would He put them trapped into a sea and then uh, against the sea and, a, and a, a mountain and a fortified city and an army and then open up the sea so that all the earth would know there is a God? Why would he go into Canaan land, the promised land, and give them, uh, uh, make them win battle after battle after battle? Because he wanted the world to know there is a God. See, in our Old Testament, God's channel of revealing himself to the world was through Israel. As we know today, it's through the church. So he was using Israel to show himself and how great that he was. And here... It's no different. God is going to use Israel, and particularly David, to show the Philistines that there is a God, a living God. I noticed that when I read this yesterday, I was, I was looking through here, that Goliath cursed David by all his gods. If you see that in verse 40, 43, that's a little g God. Here he is cursing to people who can't hear him. But what God, our God, wants him to know is that, hey, there is a living God. And he's getting ready to show you what he's all about. With just a little boy, God performed so many miracles to show himself to mankind from the very beginning. We have record of it today in this, in this book that we're looking at. And yet somehow, here's what, here's what hit me. Somehow, I lose the excitement of these stories and what God is doing. I, I lose the amazement. I've lost my astonishment over these things that God's doing that are not natural, are not normal. It is not normal for a sea to open up. It is not normal for lions to sit down and go to sleep with a person. 
It is not normal for men to walk around in fire. It's not normal for a little boy to kill a giant with a smooth stone. But yet God made it happen. And it's amazing. It's amazing. So look, just to understand, because to continue going, we got to look at the story, okay? I know you know it, but let's just go through a few things and look at the, look at the story. In verse, if we go back to verse 17, where it kind of begins, Jesse is sending David to the battlefield with some food to, to give it to his brothers to see how they were doing. David gets there. He left his belongings with a keeper, and he's talking with his brothers. And all of a sudden, in verse uh, uh, 23, Goliath starts talking, and he starts cursing Israel and, and the God of Israel. And David hears it. Everyone hears it. And the men start talking about it. The, the Israelites are talking about it, and they say, uh, if anyone can go and fight him, then the kings will give him great riches and, and, and his daughter and, and make his, his father's house free. So many great benefits for the one who would just go and fight and defeat him. And Goliath is just continuing to curse Israel and ask for one man to come and fight him. And he wants a one-on-one battle. Winner take all, right? And David, hearing this, Gets upset, and then the men warn him. Have you seen him? Do you even do you even know what he's uh, what he's all about? I mean, are you do you know how big he is? And David's like, it don't matter. Who? Why are we letting this guy talk about our God? Why are we letting this guy talk about our God? He shouldn't be doing that. Somebody needs to stand up. Somebody needs to go out there with the power of God and teach this guy a lesson. And his older brother kind of gets upset and, you know, David, who do you think you are? You're the littlest guy out here. How are you going to do anything? You know, giving him, like, like brothers do, right? Just kind of giving him a rough time. David says, I'll do it. I'll go. So word gets back to Saul. And Saul says, have David come see me. So he goes, David goes to Saul and they talk and, and you know, Saul's, are you sure? You know, you're, you're young. You got your whole life ahead of you. You're young. Are you sure you want to do this? This could be the end. Are you sure? David, yes. I could see in his heart, I'm not going to let this guy talk about my God. You see that heart of David? I'm not going to let this happen. And he says, we didn't read it, but in the end of verse 37, Saul tells David, go and may the Lord be with you. He's ready. David is ready to go. He is, he is going to go after it. He's going to fight. He does not like what is happening. So we pick up in verse 38 where we were at. And David's here trying on Saul's arm. We know how this goes. It's just too big. It doesn't fit right. He's not even trying to see how it's going to work with him. So he's like, look, I don't need all that. I, I, don't, I don't need all that armor. Just, just let me go me. Just let me be myself. Let me go. So he says, all right. So he goes down to the brook. <clears throat> and here's where things just start not measuring up to me. Okay, 
here, here's where I just, I just start having a lot of questions. Because he goes down the brook and he picks up five smooth stones. Now, if you're going to fight somebody and you want to hurt them, you're not going to get smooth stones. You're going to get sharp, jagged stones, right? You're going to get some rocks with some points on them. We all know that. But he picks up smooth stones. And I began to wonder why. I mean, you, you know this. Why would you pick up smooth rocks, smooth stones? Why, why would you do that? Because he's going to show more about how this is God's battle and not his. Here he gets these smooth stones and he goes out and he gets near the battlefield. Now remember, remember this. Goliath, he's fully armored. He's got armor covering every little bit, almost every little bit of him. He's got a big sword, probably that's a bigger, weighs more than David, a big long spear. He's even got a guy, and I don't know if this is just him being scared or what, but he's got another guy out in front of him with another shield. Okay? So he is just top-notch all decked out. And David walks out there. And Goliath looks at him and says, you're just a young boy. Are you sure you're coming to fight me? You know, you could imagine it today. This is where the big boys fight. You're a young guy. Are you, you sure you don't want, are you sure you're not going to do this? You don't want to go sub somebody else in that's a little bit bigger? And so Goliath curses him and says, I'm going to, I'm going to tear you up and feed you to the birds and the beast. So David just stood there for a minute listening to him. And then is, this is where this now David's turn. And these next three verses have some powerful things in here. I want you to notice... <clears throat> David speaks up and he says in verse 45, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. And I'd even, I would even add in there and another guy holding a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. I want you to notice that. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Because here's the thing in our life. We are going to face problems. We could call them giants, okay? Let's call, uh, let's call these, uh, our problems giants right now or, or sins that we're involved in and we can't let go of or whatever. They're giants, and we've got to overcome them. Whatever problems, whatever fears, whatever, whatever you want to put in there as a giant, it's a bad thing, it's a negative thing, whatever's going on in your life, that's the giant that you've got to overcome. Fear, problems, sin, whatever. And David starts off, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. It's not, I'm coming to you as David. I can't face my fears. I can't face my problems, my sins. I'm coming to you in Brandon. That's going to get me nowhere. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. Why the name of the Lord? Why is he stating that from the very get-go? Because that's the name with power. And David knows this. And he knows that if he goes at him from the very beginning, states the name of the Lord, that it's going to make a difference in how this thing ends. It's going to stir something up. 
And it does. We'll see that in a minute. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. I am coming to you in the name of the Lord who, who you are cursing, who you are ridiculing, who you are, 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 are out here making fun of and being bad. I'm, I'm coming to you in His name. Then He says this, and, and this, these statements are bold. All right, Notice, just, they're bold. Verse 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. This day the Lord's going to deliver you into my hand there, big boy. I'm coming to you. First off, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Next, God's going to defeat you and put you in my hand. I'm going to smite you. I'm going to take your head. And I'm going to give it the carcasses of all your army to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. So he's turning everything around. First off, though, remember, he's coming to you in the name of the Lord. Next, what you said you were going to do to me, I'm actually going to do to you and all your army. And then there's this, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. This is going to happen so that all of the Philistines and everybody who hears this, everybody who knows this story is going to know there is a God, a living God in Israel. Verse 47, And all this assembly shall know the Lord saveth not with a sword and a spear, He says to everybody here, both armies, everybody's going to know that the Lord's not going to defeat you with a sword and a spear. I don't even have one. I don't have on armor. I don't have a shield. I don't have a sword. I don't have a spear. I don't have nothing. So it's not going to be that way. Just so you know, it's not going to be that he defeats you this way. But notice what he says. And notice everything is going back to the Lord. Okay? That, that's key. That, that's important for us to realize. For the battle is the Lord's. When I read that, that got me. Because I realized I keep fighting battles that are not mine to fight. I keep trying to fight things that I know I'm never, that I'm never going to win. Because it's, not, it's my battle, but it's not mine to fight. It's my battle because I'm involved and I've got the mess and I've got the problem. I've got the sin. I've got the struggle. But... It's not mine to fight. It's his to fight. He's going to fight it. See, this is the great thing about God, about faith in him, is that we have problems, and sometimes we create them. Actually, for me, more times than not, I create them. I create the problem. I have the fear. I, I have the, the, the issues. But he'll come in and fight it for me. Now, in a minute, we'll see the key for us. But he will fight it. The battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. So here in our story, we have David and Goliath. They've had their words back and forth. And so here, the battle's getting ready to begin. And it's really not a long battle. And y'all know this, it's not long. And it came to pass, the Philistine arose and came. Now he's just angry, and you can see it all, all in him. He came and drew nigh and, to meet David, and David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. 
So here they are. David's saying all this. He's got Goliath all mad. So he just starts running after him. And if you could imagine a big guy running, it's probably kind of scary all in itself. But here's this big guy running after him. Well, David just takes off running toward him. Not scared of a thing. Just running toward him. And they run out to meet to fight. But on his way there, David puts his hand in his bag, grabs a stone, stick it in a sling, starts twirling. And he's twirling. And he gets scared and stops, right? No, that's not what happens. He lets it go. And that's our part. We sometimes get afraid to let things go. All David had to do was to let the stone go. Brother Dale, will you come up here for a minute? I asked Brother Dale to help me out. Hey, Elliot, will you come up here? I didn't give him warning. He's my son. He'll be all right. So I, I, wanna, I was thinking yesterday of how to, to, to picture this in such a way, okay? So, so Elliot, I want you to just stand right here, okay? And, and Dale, just stand right there. Now, Dale's probably the biggest guy here. I think he's the biggest guy here. And if he wasn't so nice, we could characterize him as being kind of mean like life, but he's, he's not anywhere near. But being the biggest guy, he's up here for me anyway, right? So the ratio may not be quite right, but here's what happens, okay? Elliot went and got me the smoothest stone he could find, okay? All right? And they're going to battle. And all... He had, all David has to do is to throw and let go. And then it goes in God's hands. It comes across here. All right? And hits him in the forehead. And it says, the Bible says it sinks into his forehead. Now, I had some teenagers one time tap their forehead because that's kind of hard, you know? There's a bone there. It's not going to be easy for a smooth stone to, to sink right there. But that's right where God put it. But I want you to notice all that David had to do was to let it go. And God took it from there. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Because sometimes what I feel is that instead of us going up in the battle and obeying God, we tend to come over here and get next to our giant. And stand next to him. And almost join forces with him. Whether it's fear. Or, or, or sin. Or whatever. We get close to it. We get comfortable with it. And we don't want to throw the stone at it. When God is saying. Just let go. Just trust me and let go. I'm going to fight this battle. But you've got to let go with a stone. You've got to give it up. You've got, to, uh, you've got to get rid of this. Let it go. I'll take care of the rest. Because that's what happened for David. He slung it. It smote him in his forehead. It sunk into his forehead. And he fell on his face. That's not normally how things work. But that's what happened this day. See, this battle... That we're all facing in life with, with Satan. Is a battle that we are in. 
But it's one that God's going to fight. Because we cannot fight it on our own. We cannot do it. We have to obey God and, and carry it out and let Him do what He wants to do. We just have to let go of the stones. Don't hold on to it. I feel, I, I fear that so many of us are holding on to our stone. We're, we're, we're here ready and we're, we're twirling around our head, but we're not letting go. We're trying to figure out how we're going to do it ourselves when the job isn't for us to do it ourselves. It's just for us to let go and let God take care of the rest. Because when he does it, he's going to fight the battle and he's going to come out victorious. And if he comes out victorious, that means you're going to be victorious. Because he's fighting our battle. See, we have battles. But as I learn here, the battle that I have is for him to fight, not me. I just got to obey him and let go of the stone. I want you to think about some of the stories that I mentioned just to see what God does. These, these, and I mentioned some of these already, but a nation gets trapped and he opens the sea. Just, just in guys letting go of the stone, okay? And letting God fight the battle. See what happens. A nation gets trapped and he opens the sea. A man is ready to sacrifice his son and he provides a lamb. A man is thrown to lions and he shuts the mouth of lions and, and calms them down. Three men who uh, uh, pray to God are are thrown into a fiery furnace, and he walks in there with them. 500, not 500, 5,000 people are hungry, and God feeds them with a small boy's lunch. A man can't walk, he picks up his bed and walks away. A man can't see, he walks away being able to see. A woman with an issue of blood walks away with very good blood. A man who persecuted Christians wrote a good portion of our New Testament. You see what God's doing here? He's fighting the battles. We just have to be ready to obey and let Him do what He wants to do. He will fight for us. So I want to ask you this. What battle is there in front of you? We know the story. We, we know what all happens. We know what God is going to do. But somehow we keep hanging on to the giant that stands in front of us. When it's time for us to let go. And see what God does. See what He will do. Listen, He loves us. He wants to fight for us. But the problem is, we won't let him because we try to do it ourselves or we buddy up to our giant. Four things to remember, come in his name. If you want him to fight your battles, come in his name. Know he will deliver. Know that he will deliver. Understand this, that he wants all the earth to know that he is God. And then last, allow him to fight. I tell the teenagers all the time, let go. Whatever it is you're holding on to, 
Let go of it. And almost every Wednesday night, they raise their hand and they're holding on to something. There's something in their life they're struggling with. But if we would learn to let go of those things and let God fight the battle, we'll come out with a better life, a victorious life. A better life right now that we're living on this earth. If we will allow God to fight. Listen, Satan is too good for us to fight by ourselves. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what's going to get us uh, uh, all in trouble. And he will capitalize on our weaknesses to get us to fall, to, to get us defeated, to, to keep us down. And that's one reason we'll never win against him, because he knows too much about us. But there's one person that he cannot overcome. And that's the very person that wants to fight our battles. So why won't we let him? If he's there, look, if he's there trying to grab the stone out of your hand. Just Elliot was here, and he was like this, and I grabbed the stone. If we're like this, and he's trying to grab it out of our hand, why won't we let him? Why do we say, no, it's mine? Why won't we let God take the stone and kill our giant? It's his battle. Let him do what he wants. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for being a great God you are. Lord, I thank you for your miraculous works. And Lord, the, the, the fact that you want to do so much for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us just to let go. And let you do what it is you want to do. Let you fight our battles. Lord, may we stop trying to fight the battle. Lord, will you help us to let you fight it? Lord, you're such a great God. You do so many miraculous things for us. And, and you want to bless us in so many wonderful ways. Lord, may we just lift up your name, obey you, and have faith in you and and trust you, Lord, for everything you want to do. May we see more of you. And may all the earth come to know who you are through us. Thank you for this time we've had together, Lord. Bless it. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for not leaving.